0: The clock is about to strike 5 p.m. in Salford here in the northwest of the UK where it's piddling down it's bucking it dune. The rain seems to be getting heavier. <laughs> it's got to be climate change. How are you? I'm the BBG. This is your Richie Allen show from BBG Towers no less.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen show live from the magnificent city of Salford.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. The rain
0: seems to be getting heavier. It does. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Greta's right. This is Tuesday's Richie Allen Show, November the 1st, 2022. I've got two guests for you. I'll tell you who they are momentarily. Please join in the program by going to the website and leaving a comment or two or three or ten. I don't mind. As many as you like. And I'll read them as we go along. Ah, yeah. Let's just bask in the glory of this theme tune for a minute. Yeah, that brought me just a moment to have a sip of water. Busy around BBG Towers today with some more building work going on. (laughs) The Money Pit. The Money Pit was based on a true story, the Tom Hanks film. But the director and the writer must have been able to see into the future. To look at my life. It's a money pit. A house. Is a money pit. Don't start. All right. Shall I tell you who's coming on the program? Joining me this hour to talk migration and more is none other than Mark Collett, the geopolitical commentator and the author of *The Fall of Western Man*. I like Mark. We th- we we see things a bit differently, which always makes for an interesting chat. But I like the I like the guy. He 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 he. he. What does he do? Um. He he makes cogent arguments. That's important, isn't it? So Mark joins me. It's two Marks today. We had two Davids yesterday, so a pattern might be emerging here at the show. But I... Really can't wait to speak for the very first time to Doctor Mark Sherwood, who's a naturopathic doctor based in Tulsa in Oklahoma. Really interesting gentleman. Uh, he runs with his wife Michelle the Functional Medical Institute. He's an amazing guy, really. Mark, he he is a regional bodybuilding champion. Wait for it. He played baseball professionally. Wait for it. And he was on the or well, he was he was in the Tulsa Police Department for twenty four years and spent 10 years on the SWAT team there. What an interesting gentleman he is. Now, he's been writing about the plan to transgender children, and he reckons it begins with nutrition, and he's really interested in how environmental factors may be playing a very big part in messing up children. And, uh, you know turning them on to gender dysphoria. So Dr. Mark Sherwood will be on in the second hour to talk about that. And that, I think, should be an interesting programme. I would say that, wouldn't I? I would. <laughs> I would, I would, I would. Uh, the most amusing story of the day, though, broke today around about mid-morning. Do you want to hear a bit of it? Uh, well, it made me laugh, and it doesn't take much to make me laugh now, I don't mind telling you. Well,
1: staying uh, with the world of politics, the former health secretary, Matt Hancock, has reportedly signed up to join I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Uh, He is the MP for West Sussex. He was forced to quit as health secretary uh, after breaking coronavirus lockdown rules. Um, But it is, understand, that he has decided that he will uh, go into the jungle. And as a result of that... The whip has been removed from him. The Tory whip has been suspended with immediate effect uh, after he signed up for this, according to the chief whip, Simon Hart. So Matt Hancock, following Nadine Dorries, actually, who went into the jungle a couple of years ago, uh, so not the first politician to do it. Uh, He will undoubtedly argue that he can still serve his constituents whilst he's out there, but he certainly had the whip suspended with immediate
2: effect,
0: he can still serve his constituents when he's out there, Jane.
3: What kind of fuckery are you?
0: How how can he do that? Let's how C- how can he serve his constituents from the jungle? Let's hope he has a close encounter with a huntsman spider. What a snaky little bastard, Matt Hancock is, eh? Screw my constituents. I'm going on the telly to earn three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Maybe, you know, maybe he's gone on there for Klaus Schwab and Billy Gates. Maybe Klaus Schwab and Billy Gates have asked him to go on. Maybe there's more to this than meets the eye, maybe. Maybe he's gone on there to tuck into the witchy grubs and the grasshoppers and the crickets. And he'll transform before our very eyes from the pasty-faced little fat bollocks that he is into the picture of health. And he'll say, see, see, an insect diet is the way forward. It's the way to stop climate change. Maybe that's the reason he's gone into the jungle, maybe. Insect diet, maybe. Maybe. No, maybe not. Um, Lots of people talking about this today. Talk radio, bloke. J.J. Anasiobi I never heard of him before today, was on Channel 5 and, well, he's fairly happy that Hancock has gone to the jungle and he wants to keep him there. People
1: like me will be calling up to make sure he gets to um, do all the horrible challenges. You know, I will be, I will bankrupt myself to make sure that guy has a horrible time.
0: He will bankrupt himself to make sure that
3: Matt Hancock has a horrible time. I just like him because he caused so many deaths and was so bad bad during his tenure as all. It
4: is interesting though, the people that tend to do more challenges do tend to rise in popularity.
0: Yeah. Keep him in there and get him to do horrible challenges because he killed so many people during the COVID thing. Of course, the little snowflake JJ Anasiobe believes that Hancock killed people by not locking down sooner and by discharging sick people into care homes without testing them. That's what he would argue. Course you and I would argue that Hancock I'm not saying now that Matt Hancock was behind the jabs, but he certainly promoted them. And we know the jabs have well, they've done unimaginable damage. JJ be there. On the whole idea of punishing Hancock, uh, uh, the punters, that's radio listeners, were all over this. Some bloke contacted LBC Radio to say that Hancock is going into the jungle to atone for his sins, sins committed during the COVID.
5: There may be a little bit of an aspect of him looking to serve out his punishment now by having to do all these sort of embarrassing, you know, horrible things on TV. You, you're going Catholic. laugh at him for a bit.
2: You're going Catholic on us. He's serving his penance. Yeah. He's doing his ten Hail Marys as atonement for the sins of
5: COVID. I mean, in, in a sense. Top of the class, of, Joe. Yeah. Straight to the um, top of the class, mate. Yeah. Um, basically, once he's done all these embarrassing things, I think I would probably liken it to when, if it's fair to make a comparison, when Jimmy Carr had the tax... Yes. Um, scandal thing
0: yeah how is it possibly fair to compare jimmy carr the comic with matt hancock the uh insert your own description of matt hancock there how is it fair jimmy carr took advantage of existing tax loopholes to ensure that he paid a little bit less tax he didn't break any laws like and then he went on television and he allowed comedians make fun of him he was roasted but he didn't do very much wrong matt hancock has killed people in the thousands. Well, he's been a party to it. He, he's an accessory to murder, right? Come on.
5: Yes. And he went on 8 out of 10 cats the next week. and
0: they- He went on 8 out of 10 cats and he allowed the panel of comedians to rib him unmercifully because he was stupid enough to use existing tax laws to avoid paying tax. Which is what I would do. And I'm sure you would do it too. Use existing tax laws, the ones used by Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk and others, and Bill Gates. Uh, use them for your own end to avoid paying as much tax as maybe you otherwise would have. Jimmy Carr didn't do very much wrong.
5: Basically, let all of his comedians write him a new one. Basically,
0: he had, uh, he had to own it, kind of didn't he? He had to own it. Exactly. What did he have to own, Jimmy Carr? He used the law. Tax law to avoid paying a lot of tax. Fair play to him.
5: Exactly. I think this is maybe the way that he's trying to do the same thing.
0: Oh my God. He actually believes that Hancock is going into the jungle to atone for the sins he committed during COVID.
2: uh, You dipstick. uh, I I mean, whether it's conscious or subconscious, the idea of... This
0: is pure Alan Partridge. Listen to Jimmy O'Brien here. This is pure Alan Partridge. This is worse than Richard Medley. He has to know
2: everything. Subconscious. The idea of... Doing horrible things in public does speak to quite a primal part of us, doesn't it? It does it does kind of move the needle of what we think about someone. If oh
0: Jesus Christ. I don't think he means blessed to the cheesemakers in the literal sense. I think he means the manufacturers of dairy products. Shut the fuck up Jimmy O'Brien. Is Matt Hancock going into the jungle to atone for the sins he committed during COVID? No. He's not. Not in my opinion. Anyway, the time is uh, 10 minutes past the hour. Comments, please. RichieAllen.co.uk. Comic Life, top of the page. Listen, this is the other big story of the day. We'll be talking about this shortly with Mark Collett. That is migration. And the fact that 40,000 people have managed to negotiate the English Channel this year alone. Most of them, or at least half of them, are Albanian men this is uh, this has been all over the news today and yesterday. The current Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has been criticised today because she described it as an invasion. That's how she described it. An invasion. Of course, of course even the woke Arati went absolutely doolally, as they do screaming at her, and she was compared, basically, to the Nazis. No, she wasn't. Her remarks were compared to to remarks made by a certain newspaper in this country during the war when Jewish people, God love them, were being sent to the UK to get away from the Nazis. I know it's a bit mad, but that's Twitter. Uh, Robert Jenrick is a friend of Suella Braverman's. He's the immigration minister and he was pressed by Sky News presenter Neil Patterson on the comments and the use of the term invasion. Is it appropriate?
1: We
5: had the the Home
1: Secretary describing this as an invasion on the south coast. I mean, would you characterise it like that? Well, in a job like mine, you have to choose your words very carefully. Indeed. And I would never demonise mm-hmm. people coming to this country well, in, in pursuit it, of, a, right. of a better life. Uh, and I understand and appreciate our obligation to refugees. In fact, I've had for much of this year a Ukrainian refugee family mm. staying absolutely. with me in, so in my she, own why home. Why did she describe it as an invasion when clearly it is not?
0: Well, I, is, is it clear that it isn't an invasion? I mean, I know... That the people, God love them, who are coming to try and make a better financial life for themselves, I know they're not working in tandem with one another. At least I, that's what I think, I don't believe they are, right? So they're not in cahoots. It's families, individual families. Sometimes, a lot of the time, it's young men coming from Albania. So they're not maybe working in tandem Could it be described as an invasion? I bet you, if you're living on the UK south coast, I bet you, you probably
1: feel like it's an invasion. I'd say two things in response to that. Firstly, the scale of the challenge we're facing is very, very significant. 50,000 people, and the number could well be significantly higher over the course of this year, is a major challenge for this country. And it is leading to the infrastructure that we have in terms of reception centres like Manston, in terms of hotel accommodation and asylum and uh, social housing, essentially being overwhelmed. was, Was the Home Secretary wrong to describe this as an invasion on the south coast? I think invasion is a way of describing the sheer scale of the challenge. And that's what uh, Suella Braverman was trying to express. That's
0: what Suella Braverman was trying to express. And that was one Tory MP, Robert Jenrick. Another one, Henry Smith, went on talk radio. And he thinks invasion is pretty appropriate, considering what's going on in Dover. Well,
2: this idea that they are claiming um, to be uh, victims of modern slavery uh, is, again, uh, an excuse that is being used. We have um, some of the strongest modern anti-modern slavery laws uh, on the statute book in this country. And I'm afraid people are arriving here and saying, oh, you know, I've been a victim of modern slavery. And therefore, that immediately inserts them into the system uh, from which... Uh, leaving this country is a, a very rare occurrence, uh, and that's why they do it. It's a back route uh, into this country. Um, I don't blame people uh, for economic mi- migration. Uh, I don't blame people for seeking a better life, but they need to go through the proper visa routes. It's unfair on genuine uh, migrants, actually, uh, uh, who have the queue jumped by people who just decide to break the law uh, and, incidentally, uh, is fueling criminal gangs Uh, who are some very nasty individuals indeed. But Henry, you you know how politics works, you know how words can matter. When you start saying invasion, you're conjuring up issues of an enemy, an army, an assault, if you like, and particularly two days after someone had just tried to firebomb a migration centre. Was that not a little irresponsible of the Home Secretary to continue that kind of words of division, of dehumanising, as some charities are saying? Well, I'm constantly told as a politician to speak my mind, uh, to uh, be very clear in what uh, my beliefs are, uh, to give yes and no answers. Politicians are always accused of uh, uh, evading uh, the direct question, and I think Suella Braverman answered the question very directly. It's an invasion, Uh, and uh, I think most people recognise that that's what it is. It's
0: an invasion, said Henry Smith, who's also a Tory MP, and he agrees with Suella Braverman. I'll be back with you shortly.
5: Colds, seasonal flu, and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immune X365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immune X365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of the Richie Allen show you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code richieallen 365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. And with free two-day track delivery.
1: You're listening to the saviour of independent
2: media, Richie Allen.
0: Indeed you are. Welcome back. The time is 16 minutes past five on this miserable, dank, horribly dark, well, I'm going to say it, winter's evening here in Salford. I know it's still autumn, but it feels very wintry. Uh, Patrick says, don't forget about the midazolam morphine cocktail, Richie, used to kill off old people in care homes. And they falsely claimed they died of the non-existent COVID. That's Patrick's opinion. He says, I hope Hancock is duly executed if justice ever makes a comeback. That's a bad place to be, Patrick. He hasn't done anything to you personally, Hancock, let's um, let let, let let's not have a state that exacts retribution on behalf of its citizens. Let's not live in a country where people are put to death. I don't like that myself. Uh, Ian says between 500 to 1,000 fighting age men crossing our border daily, and then they are redistributed across the country, facilitated by the government. I'm fine with it being called an invasion, says Ian. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Scaramouche says hope the British public vote Hancock to take the Midazolam trial in Australia, as the courts certainly will not. Lovely. Uh, There's a number of you who continue... Um, and you've been doing this for over a year, even two years, to send me your opinions that SARS CoV two has never been isolated. And um, this doesn't frustrate me; it doesn't bother me. Uh, but you're wasting your time. I, I I don't pay any attention to your to your posts, other than when I occasionally see them in the live show. Um, you, you give me no proof. You offer no proof that SARS-CoV-2 hasn't been isolated, you see. So you're wasting my time, you see. I'm a journalist, you see. A real one and a rare one. I deal in facts and the things I can prove. So if you want to keep telling me that you don't believe COVID exists, please prove that it doesn't exist and I've got you there, haven't I? You're fucked, aren't you, really? Because you can't do that. You're entitled to your opinion, but that's all it is, is your opinion. Hi to Jonathan, who says, Why did they take the whip off him and head him off to the jungle? How is he meant to fight off the snakes and the crinter Says Jonathan, like Indiana Jones. Hi to Peter or hi to Matthew, hi to Colin... And uh, lovely. Thanks for all of these messages. There's so much to get through before I welcome Mark Collett back to the programme. Some interesting things on the website today. Do check out RichieAllen.co.uk. It's back in full swing, is the website at the moment. I was amused by a couple of stories. One, which uh, you may have seen yourself, you might have seen it last night, Uh, a study conducted by British and Swedish academics, which has determined that swearing... (laughs) Yes, that's cursing, as we say in Ireland. I don't know why in in, in Ireland we've come to refer to it as cursing. and Not swearing, but we say cursing. Cursing, boy. Um, Swearing is good for you. Swearing is actually good for you. And it has lots of benefits, according to some academics based in the UK and in Sweden. So, So there you are. Thoughts on that, or not? Um... Interesting uh, story about climate change, which I picked up this morning. And related, which is what I do on richieallen.co.uk, repackaged it up for you. But remember, we were talking last week about climate change and Nicholas Campbell of BBC Radio 5 Live. He did a phone-in on the BBC's, what they call the nation's phone-in, and talked about climate change and how important it is for people to believe it. And he had a guy on from the University of East Anglia, a guy who's a professor of philosophy and not a professor of geology or climate sciences, right? Anywho, this guy was from the University of East Anglia, so my ears pricked up today when I heard that the University of East Anglia has decided to offer support sessions to students who can't cope with climate change. Yes, students who are struggling to deal, emotionally struggling to deal with climate change will be offered six two-hour sessions a week. Jesus wept. Six Two-hour sessions a week. Twelve hours a week. Where they will undergo group therapy and be instructed in something uh, known as mindfulness techniques. Do you have any idea? Do you know what mindfulness techniques is? What they are? I haven't a Scooby-Doo myself. Uh, help me out, right? Um, 95% of 16 to 25-year-olds, including, hang on, a survey found that 95% of 16 to 25-year-olds in 10 countries, including the UK, were worried to some degree about climate change. 60% of the respondents said they felt worried, very worried, or extremely worried. Extremely worried about it. Nearly half of participants said that their feelings about climate change encroached on their daily lives. And it's very easy for a bloke like me to mock, to take the piss, and to razz on the students, but you've got to be realistic about this, I think, and fair about it, and acknowledge that we are talking about young people, students, 18, 19, 20, and because it's that generation, you know, I'm 30 years older, they've been bombarded with this climate nonsense, probably for 10 years. So it's not, maybe, fair to mock them, and to lampoon them. Maybe it's uh, more... Maybe it's more constructive, maybe, to acknowledge that these feelings are real. They're not snowflakes, really. They've been attacked on a psychological level for years, haven't they? Dreadful, isn't it? And this is is third-level students. What must be going on in the minds of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old children? What must be going on? Uh, in their minds, as they are told, uh, daily, I guess, in, in in their classrooms, if not daily, at least weekly, that uh, they're contributing, their existence is contributing to the destruction of the climate. What must that be doing to them? And spare a thought for people in China. I mean, it's been bad here at times in the last three years, and maybe it's going to get worse, but I'm sure you know this by now, um, Disney World in Shanghai locked the guests inside the park after a woman tested positive for COVID inside the park. I made the point... <coughs> excuse me. I'm all over the place today with the old frog in the throat. I made the point um today on the website. It reads like a movie script, this. Shanghai's Disney Park locking its gates and forcing visitors to remain inside because somebody tested positive for covid people were only allowed to leave hours later once they produced a negative test for covid 19 it is basket case in china isn't it didn't um we have a listener in china don't we greg in in weihai didn't he share with us on the melodies program last week or the week before that he's thinking about getting out of the country with his family. I think Greg's wife is Chinese. I think his children were born there because it's just going from bad to worse in that country, in the big cities. Imagine that. What would it take for people to rebel against that? Was there any chance yesterday that the Chinese people and the visitors, you know, I'm sure there were foreigners inside the park as well, any chance at all that they would have got together and said, listen, we're breaking down these effing gates. We're not putting up with this. No. Apparently not. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Is there a more subservient race of people than the Chinese? Is that unfair? Is it unfair to categorise the Chinese in those terms, is it? Uh, RichieAllen.co.uk Comment live. I look forward to reading your comments. It's approaching 24 and a half minutes past the hour. I better get some water in me. Uh, and quickly, some more water in me and take a tune, and also at the same time, line up Mark Collett. You don't want to miss him. We're going to talk migration and much more. Here's John Mellencamp, then. God, that was loud. This is Jack and Diane on your Richie Allen show, broadcasting live from Salford. Looking forward to today's show. Don't forget Dr. Mark Sherwood coming up a bit later. Mark Collard is next in. Jack and Diane from John Mellencamp. It used to be John Cougar Mellencamp. Thanks for your messages. Hi to Jenny who says, Richie, it's never been proven to be exist. The onus is on you, Jenny. You know, I'm not screaming from the rooftops that COVID does exist. You see, in my world, I leave lots and lots of room for the possibility that I might be wrong. I'm not dogmatic in the language I use. I don't tell people the way things are. I don't say this is the way it is. But in the independent media and the listeners of this programme, the majority of people I encounter are dogmatic people who... Can't help themselves in telling people this is the way it is. Usually followed up by do your research or have a look at this YouTube video. Um, Take a look at Patrick Vidian's comment. You have your opinion, I'll have mine. Fair enough, but that's not good enough, you see, for guys like Patrick. If that was true, we'd all get along so much better. It's not good enough. He doesn't mean that. You have your opinion and I'll have mine calls me a soft, he says, capital punishment will need to return and you prove that COVID does exist, he says, smart ass. But I'm not screaming at you that COVID uh, does exist. I've said it a thousand times, I don't know. Based on what I've seen and heard in three years, I would have to lean towards that a virus a little bit different than flu and your respiratory illnesses that we would have been familiar with, th- that that it exists. That's what I would lean towards. Because I'm not dogmatic. I don't shout at people and tell them this is the way it is. Do your research. It's just rubbish, you see. It's the reason why I said last week we're never going to get anywhere. There's a hundred years, I reckon, before humanity ever gets into a situation whereby it can take on the architects of these agendas. Um, Because most of the worst people are actually on our side. They're completely incapable of conversing with people let alone convince anybody of anything because of their attitude. And I've said this so many times, I'm just going to stop now because it's a waste of your time and my time. Uh, and, and, and I know, I'm pretty sure the majority of people listening to this programme probably don't fall into that category, but I get a lot of it. A lot of this dogmatic crap and it's tiresome and it's infantile and it ultimately gets you nowhere. You know, it doesn't exist! It doesn't exist! The earth is flat! Well, we'll prove it then. You're doing so much shouting about it. At least offer me some fucking proof. I'm not shouting that it does exist. I I, I just... I've said what I've said. I'm going to leave it there. Let's get Mark Connett on the programme. This will be good. It's been ages since Mark was on. Uh, He... Mark Collett is a geopolitical commentator and he is the author of a really interesting book called The Fall of Western Man. It's a pleasure to welcome him back onto the show today. He has delayed his tea
3: to be with you and me. Welcome back, Mark. It's great to be back on. I've not heard from you for a long time, so it was certainly A pleasure to see your name pop up on my phone earlier today. Ah,
0: thanks Mark. The reason for that is I I missed most of, well, pretty much all of August and September with a studio rebuild that went south. It wasn't that I'd gone, what's the word, it wasn't that I'd gone cool on you. It's just I was off air for, for quite a long time, two and a half months. Good to have you back on. What's going on on the UK's south coast? Is it an invasion? And why is the UK government failing to listen to the citizens of this country? And I know from listening to the various talk shows, uh, the national media, at least anyway, I know that whether people are on the left or on the right, they're demanding that something is done about this. What's going on?
3: Well, look, the UK government, and this is going to shock people, the UK government has listened to, to people about immigration. That's why they've been telling people for 12 years that they're gonna get it under control because the UK government knows that people are outraged by this. They know it's an invasion. They know we're being flooded with record numbers of migrants. They're assisting with this invasion. But for 12 years, they have been telling the British public that they're going to reduce the numbers, then that they're going to bring in this points-based immigration system. And it's all been lie after lie after lie lie after lie. And then finally, when somebody says, hey, let's get this under control and they publicly say that all the other conservatives began begin disavowing this woman and they've shown their hand they want unchecked mass immigration into Britain for a variety of reasons. And the Conservative Party now has the dubious honour of being the party that has allowed the most immigrants into Britain in a single year. And I mean that in terms of both legal and illegal immigration. So whichever Whatever way they spin it, it's out of control. 1.1 million visas last year from a government that came to power on the pledge of a points-based immigration system. And that was just what they term internally as a populist position. So they have this thing called a populist positioning strategy where they get all these people together. They see what the people are talking about. These are called focus groups. And then they put a policy to the public that they think the public will accept. And then as soon as they get in, they renege on this policy or alter the implementation of the policy so it never delivers on the goods. People have been betrayed, people are angry, tensions are boiling over, and it's all the fault of the Conservative government.
0: 40,000 undocumented migrants this year. Why would any government, knowing that? knowing how perilous the economic situation in the country is, why would they preside over basically an open door system, as you've described? Why would they do that? It's counterproductive when you, when you look at the economy.
3: But you're assuming these people care. You're assuming these people actually want the best for ordinary British people. They don't. They're insulated from all of this. We're the ones paying their heating bills this winter whilst we freeze. That's a fact. This is the same group of people who wanted to cut off cheap gas from Russia, a country that we're not at war with, a country that we really have no axe to grind with. And we did that knowing it was going to kill, well, we, when I say we, I'm not talking about you and I, the British government did that knowing the result would be pensioners in this country would die. People on the poverty line wouldn't be able to heat their homes. And the same people that did this are the ones letting in the immigrants. The same people that did this, the same people that let in the immigrants are the same ones that imposed the COVID tyranny on us. They're the same people that just voted themselves a massive pay rise and have second homes paid for by the taxpayer, get unbelievable amounts of money every year anyway, plus all the expenses. They're living it up at our expense whilst they ruin our lives.
0: What about the claims today? And some of these claims were coming from people I think are pretty decent people. Not, your, not the usual suspects, not Owen Jones and The Guardian and, and that, the likes of that um, mentality. But others were saying the language, while this is very serious and it has serious implications for, as you said, senior citizens in this country as well as everybody else, the fact is that those coming to the country, whether they are legitimate asylum seekers, whether they are Albanian men chancing their arm because you know, they want to get a better job over here than they can get in their own country. They're ultimately still human beings just trying to do the best for themselves and their families. And as angry as we might be um, concerning the, the impact the immigration is having, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact we're dealing with human beings. And they, it could be argued that these people are victims
3: as well. And that's an absolutely ridiculous point, And it's being made by people who are either idiots or or who are completely disingenuous and want to aid in this invasion. Criminals who are coming to a country illegally to take part in criminality are obviously human. And they're obviously doing something for the best of their group or for themselves. But that is to the detriment of normal British people. We are now living in a country which we share with 2% of The adult male Albanian population, 2%. Where did you get that figure from? It's been in the news, 2%. So we can
0: believe it then because it was in the news.
3: No, I, I can believe it because I know people like Steve Laws, other citizen journalists who are down there on the south coast watching this happen and watching the British government act as a waterborne taxi service as a ferry service to bring these people in and then they go to the hotels and I've protested outside these hotels these people will be in hotels getting their Christmas dinner served to them by hotel staff in fully heated suites before either sleeping it off in a nice centrally heated room or enjoying maybe a jacuzzi or a sauna whilst British people struggle to put Christmas dinner on the table. And some will say, well, we're having Christmas dinner, kids, but that means we can't put the heating on. You might be right, this by the way. Hang, hang, on. hang on, you might on- be
0: right. You might be right. Um, 2% of 2.8 million is 56,000. Uh, the population of Albania... According to Google, you can throw that back at me. That smart comment about if you if you heard it in the news, you can believe it. Um, but Google says two point eight million, so two percent of that is fifty six thousand. So there may very well be fifty six thousand Albanians. But you keep emphasizing the word. Criminality? How do you know they're not all criminals? Some of these Albanian blokes just want to get a few bob in the back pocket and work a better job. They're not all criminals. They're
3: criminals. Really. They're here illegally. They have broken the law by entering this country illegally. And you wouldn't these do it, Mark. These aren't people. You wouldn't who do it. Would you not do it? asylum? They're not people who they are leaving their country to come here and take advantage of our system. Entering our country illegally, that is a criminal act. And often they're tied up with criminal gangs when they make that journey. They're not coming here to make life better for the average Brit. They're entering the country illegally to make life worse for us and to take a slice of the pie, the very generous pie, that the government is offering these people. And the same government doesn't give a damn about pensioners, ex-servicemen on our streets, people on the poverty line. Our people will be eating out of food banks, whilst their people will be getting their food served to them in three and four-star hotels.
0: Mark Collett is our guest, the author of The Fall of Western Man. Good to have Mark back on. Answer this honestly, please. I trust you to be honest. Um, Would you take your better half um, overseas if you were broke and if your prospects were minimal? Would you take her into a country, even if you weren't welcome there, but you knew you'd be able to get someplace to stay and that you'd be able to put food on the table and life would be infinitely better? Would you do it, be honest?
3: The answer is no. I don't believe that, I can say that honestly because, well, firstly, what you're saying is a false equivalence. Why? Um, It's a false equivalence because these people aren't bringing their wives and children. The overwhelming majority of people who are coming here are young men of fighting age. We've already seen that. And they're not poverty-stricken because they're paying thousands and thousands of pounds to criminal gangs to smuggle them in. These aren't women, children and the elderly who are desperate to get here, turning up emaciated in rags. They're young men in designer clothes that have spent money to get here so they can take part in a criminal enterprise. And no, I would never leave Britain. I would never leave England. People have asked me this many times. They've said, look, there's all these wonderful countries in Eastern Europe who have ideas." years far closer to yours than the British government does. Places like Latvia, places like Hungary. Why don't you take your family there? The skill set you've got, you're a designer, you're somebody who's very good at what you do. You could go and live there. The cost of living would be far lower. You'd be welcomed. The nationalists there would love you and it would be a better life for your partner and your daughter. And I agree it would. I've never left this country because I love this country because it's my home and I wouldn't turn my back on this country. And I get asked that question regularly on numerous shows that I do because some people wonder why I stay here when the British government is so viciously anti-white. He's taking away all of our freedoms, taking away our freedom of speech, kicking people's doors in for sending tweets, calling men, men. It's absurd. But I stay here because this is my country. England is my home and I don't feel that I would have that feeling of being at home anywhere else in the world. So I'm staying here regardless of how bad things get.
0: Fair enough. The Home Office has released some statistics on the nationality of people on small boats coming here between January and June this year. So six month period. Um, 2,165 Albanians, um, uh, 2,066 Afghans, uh, 1,700 Iranians, 1,600 Iraqis, uh, just over 1,000 Syrians. Then you have Eritreans, uh, 850, Sudan, 460, Egypt, 305. So, right, 2,165 Albanians, many of them will be single men. But then you look at Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria. Now, if you leave Iran out for a minute and you look at Afghanistan, Iraq and Syria, um, you could make an argument that this country is reaping what its governments have sown in terms of uh, the government's foreign Policy approaches. What do you reckon to that?
3: Oh, I completely agree with that. I absolutely condemn the British government, whether it be Tory or Labour, who have supported these Zionist led wars in the Middle East, which have done nothing but destabilise sovereign countries for the benefit of Israel. If anyone should be taking all these asylum seekers, really, it should be Israel. But it's not. It's the UK and. I don't agree with that because I never agreed with the policy. We should never have gone to war in Afghanistan. We should have never gone to war in Iraq. We should have never helped overthrow um, the Libyan government. We should have never supplied ISIS and al-Nursa in Syria. The Middle East should be left to their own affairs and sovereign nations should be left to do as they wish unless they directly threaten us, which they never did. The alleged threats against the UK, weapons of mass destruction, etc. That was all a lie. That was all spun by Tony Blair. He is a war criminal. He should be in jail. He's a rich man. He's got lots of houses. Maybe they should go and live in his house with his family. I think that would be an acceptable resolution. Yeah,
0: I won't hold my breath, but but I agree with that. Um, Blair promised George W. Bush in a letter that the UK would be with the United States no matter what. Um, Israel gets a lot of gets a you know quite the bashing on this program, in terms of how it treats the indigenous people of Palestine and in terms of its other uh, meddling in the affairs of other countries. But uh, the UK didn't go to war in Iraq with the United States at the behest of Israel, and the UK went to war because Tony Blair was a puppet of the neocon um, lunatics who were controlling Washington at that time. Israel really has nothing to do with uh, the war in Iraq in 2003. I could correct
3: you on that. In the Chilcot Inquiry, inquiry, I've made a video on this, exposing this. There's all the paperwork to back it up. Blair admitted going to America and having secret meetings with Israeli advisors before he made his decision to go to war. He was meeting them not for intel on Iraqi positions. It was pre the war. He had these meetings. It was in Israel's interest and Israel has always been the country that has had the lobbyists in both America and Britain lobbying for these wars. I've done a video on that. Um, You can look at the facts yourself. There was definite Israeli involvement in the Iraq war. I've no
0: doubt Blair met with senior Israeli officials, but he could have met them for any number of reasons, including what sort of uh, situation are we going to face on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan? What are we going to do? No, no, that we, was, re-
3: it was pre the war. Yeah, pre it the war, yeah. Yeah, I know yeah, I buy that. It was I, I, before he made his decision to go in there, and Blair has walked away from this, a very, very rich man. I believe the Israeli state has a hand in this. They certainly had a hand in setting up ISIS. They've had a hand in... Um, the conflict in Syria, they destabilise that region constantly and their role on the world stage and in the Middle East is not a good one. It's not one that acts for peace. And I believe they had a, a definite role in many of these conflicts.
0: You might be right. But why do we give so much credit to Israel and why... I've said this before to commentators who come on this programme who who take this position on, on, on Israel. Um, so... It benefited Israel, the the wars of aggression in Afghanistan and Iraq, and maybe later on, Libby. You could make that argument. And and if Israeli officials egged on the likes of Tony Blair, well, fair enough. That's what Israel does. They egg them on. But the blame surely still lies completely with Tony Blair and the United States administrations of the time, right?
3: I already said it lied with, lied with yeah. Tony Blair, but I said it was on behalf of Israel. Now, the issue here is... We've just had Well, Liz Truss is no longer the prime minister, but Liz Truss made this passionate speech at the Conservative Friends of Israel saying she was a committed Zionist, that she was a huge Zionist in her words. Uh, Joe Biden, president of America, he has already stated that he is a Zionist. The Conservative Friends of Israel are possibly the most powerful lobbying group in the whole of the UK. Uh, APAC, which is the American equivalent, is a just as powerful if not more powerful in america the fact is if we had that level of russian involvement in british or american politics the media would be screaming about no, it. no doubt about if there was a group called the russian friends no doubt no, about or conservative it. friends of russia that were flying mp after mp to moscow to go to the kremlin that there, there would be questions asked But you have the conservative friends of Israel donating uh, tens of millions and flying people out to Israel left, right and centre. And very, very few noises. Listen, the
0: only mainstream journalist who ever had the courage to take it on was uh, Peter Auburn making a documentary for Channel 4 about 15 years ago. You are right. Israel's influence is all pervasive. I don't like Israel. I'm one of the only radio presenters operating at this level who said, and will continue to say, that I don't believe Israel has any right to exist. I mean, it does exist, and, and hey, look, listen, most countries and most maps were drawn uh, following a conflict where one side, you know, prevailed over the other, and we are where we are. Um, but I'll say that I have no time for them. But some years ago, I, got, I just got personally tired of having a go at Israel all the time. Why do we have a go at Israel? Israel does what Israel does. It influences politicians and lobby groups. Those are the people we should blame. Not focus on Israel as much as we do. I blame... Just, the first thing I said when I no, came I, on here No, you did. You did. I
3: heard you. ...was the Conservative government are to blame for gaslighting all not this mess. You. They're liars. They've betrayed the people of this country. They've repeatedly lied. They keep selling this same lie. David Cameron, Theresa May, both of them said, we'll get immigration numbers down under 100,000. They failed. Boris Johnson was the one that sold this idea of a points-based immigration system. That was what they call a populist positioning strategy, which, in other words, is tell the people what they want to hear, then do the opposite. Do
0: the opposite. Let me ask you this, Mark.
3: These people should be held accountable. And if we had a political system that was just and fair, politicians who acted in this manner and repeatedly told knowing lies and did the very opposite of what they pledged, would not be walking away with golden handshakes or great pension funds, they'd be going to jail.
0: Amen to that. But maybe the problem is the notion of the political system. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what party, what parties, um, you have uh, coalescing around elections. Ultimately, when they get in, they are subject to... Uh, the interference of think tanks, of special interest groups, of corporations, maybe it's the system. So let me ask you on that. Um, We've talked in the past about this paradigm shift that we're witnessing at the moment and how the world is lurching towards totalitarianism and how there's a technocratic society evolving around us, social crediting, all of that, lockdowns, um climate change and all this stuff which which you and I would, would would say is nonsense and it's it's designed to give greater control over our lives to governments and to corporations um so it's it's fairly obvious to state then isn't it that a situation like the one you described which I can't really argue with which is um an open door system where tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people can cross into the UK and and into other countries uh, upset the population there- co- compete for jobs compete compete for education, all of that it can be argued, of course, that this is designed to sow the seeds of divide and conquer, so that the agendas, the great reset and and, and all of that can sail through while we end up killing one another on issues of identity right
3: Well, the whole point of mass immigration is to divide a population it is to ensure that the indigenous people are displaced and replaced, their communities are broken up. And once you have achieved one of these multicultural states, no multicultural state has ever worked, multicultural states, are being forced upon every European nation, this is state-enforced multiculturalism, and it's state-enforced multiculturalism because the government is vehemently anti-white, it wants to destroy our traditional indigenous communities because it wants to subjugate the people, that's why it's bringing in millions of people every year to replace, displace and eventually reduce us to a minority status. And once we're a minority status, we will lose our homeland. We will have no way of fighting back. In fact, we will be a hated minority in our own country. No other people around the world would allow this to pass, but white people do because they're race blind, because the mainstream media has spent, well, since the end of the Second World War, deracinating white people, taking away their culture, mocking their traditions, smashing their moral compass, tearing them away from any anchors that held them in place and kept them together as a group. And the end result is what you are seeing now. And it's just been ramped up with COVID, which was obviously a huge power grab and another way to subjugate our people. And now this soft, deracinated mess is being subjected to this unprecedented invasion from abroad so that we can be taken to what we used to say 2066, because that was the date when white people were meant to be, or white Britons were meant to become a minority in Britain. But because of this, it will be much sooner. They're accelerating their plan. If people don't act now, if people don't organise, if people don't get together and do something politically and in a reasonable manner, it
0: will be too late. I, You know, I don't agree with that last point about this attack on white people. Um, I'll make my point very brief. And of course, I'll give you loads of time. And I know, I mean, you can use strong language if you want. You can say I'm stupid or galactically stupid or obtuse. But I, I know what I see. There is a totalitarian technocratic agenda um, to turn the planet into a prison. And it's for every human being on the planet, regardless of your race or your culture, whether you're white, black, whether you are brown-skinned, whether you are mixed race, whether you are Asian. It is meant for everybody. And, and that's what I see. And he, obviously, I'd like you to comment on that.
3: But well, also, then you're seeing it wrong. You're seeing it wrong because... Schools how am I wrong? today push white privilege.
0: I forget Britain. I'm talking about the world, Mark. This is no, a fucking global agenda, when,
3: man. When you go to other countries, the children there aren't taught to hate themselves. White children are taught to hate their ancestors, to disrespect their parents. They're taught that they're inherently evil. They're taught that they're most evil when they advocate for their own rights and for the rights of their group as an ethnic body. White people have this hate thrown at them every day, by the media, by teaching bodies, by the entire political establishment. I agree, but you're ignoring my
0: question. I agree with all of that. You know I do, because we've had this out before many times. I agree with that. The point I'm making, in the great scheme of things, it probably doesn't matter because every human being on the planet is marked for tyranny. Every one of us. And white people don't have any exclusivity on that, Mark, in my opinion.
3: Well, I disagree. I think there are other people around the world that are allowed to take their destiny into their own hands. that are allowed to advocate for their people as a group. That is something which is completely verboten when it comes to white people. And it's not just white people in Britain. It's white people anywhere in the world. You could be a white person in France, a white person in Germany, a white person in America. If you advocate for your ethnic or racial group, you face an unprecedented attack that no other racial group in their homeland would face if they advocated for their group, for the good of their group or to take their destiny in their own hands. That stands white people out as a distinct and very different target. I can accept what you're saying that people all over the world are targeted by globalist powers by the Soros Foundation by you know your Coca-Cola giant capitalist companies by your Facebooks by your Twitters I can accept that but what I'm saying is the way that we are targeted is very distinct it is very different it is to a different level of intensity and it is on a racial and ethnic level
0: Great to have you on, pal. Love speaking to you. I hope you'll come back soon. Before Christmas, hopefully.
3: Mam- I'd come back every day if I could, Richie. I always love being on with you. I'm over the moon that you're back. It really made my day hearing from you. Ah, I hope gent. you're well. Sending much love to you and to all your listeners. Mam- you have a great show and I'll speak to you again uh, soon. Just
0: before you run away, you do your own broadcasting, which, um, which is very important as well. Uh, Wednesdays particularly. Tell our listeners where they can hear you.
3: Yep. You can grab me on Odyssey now. I'm on Telegram Gab. Odyssey's my main platform. Wednesday night, 7pm, Patriotic Weekly Review. And you can download my book for free, The Fall of Western Man, from www.thefallofwesternman.com. And that's very generous.
0: It's very generous and it's a very good read. I recommend it. Thanks, Mark. Good to hear Thanks from you, so Paul. Much. Have a nice evening. You too. Mark, call dot thefallofwesternman.com. Good to have him back on the programme. Two minutes to the top of the hour. Interesting stuff. Lots of comments on that, I imagine. Hi uh, to Teek who says the government isn't listening to us, it never will. They've proven over 100 years they only care about what the technocratic banksters want and only do the technocrats' bidding. We are simply farm animals. We're getting close to the abattoir now, says Teak. Thank you. Franny says they've sterilised the white British kids. There won't be enough women to go around for all of these young men. And she says rapes will go through the roof. Jamie says divide and conquer. Uh, Steve says I get frustrated when the immigration debate gets reduced to simple economics. The English people have one homeland and have nowhere else to go. And just like any other distinct people, we deserve to have our way of life and culture preserved from the effects of mass immigration. Thanks for that, Steve. Jacqueline has sent a pretty disturbing message. She says, Richie, I have so far not put the heating on. I simply cannot afford to do so. I have asthma and long-term respiratory problems. I've been very poorly over the past two weeks with both of these health issues. I stayed in bed to keep warm while I took steroids. I don't know at what stage I will use the heating, but all of this is very wrong. I'm genuinely sorry, Jacqueline, to hear that. I really am. Um I, I don't suppose it's any consolation that you're not alone. Everybody's worried about it. Everybody. I found myself um not sniping, not sniping at all. And she, she wouldn't say I was sniping, but you know, reminding um the oft mentioned future misses. You know, let's start turning off lights in rooms. Um we're not using let's start turning off decorative lamps that we like to have on because it makes the place look nice. Let's start, um, what was on my mind the other day, you know, turning all the radiators off in the rooms we're not using. Uh, Now, you might say, well, you should be doing that anyway. Um, But these are the things. The bills are astronomical. I mean, they really are, and they're going to get worse. I don't know what to say to you about that. Um, A number of you have come back on to recommend doctors like Andrew Kaufman and Dolores Carl. I've interviewed Dolores Carl many times. Never mentioned to me she didn't believe in the existence of viruses. I interviewed Andrew Kaufman. Uh, that was an interesting 30 minutes. He didn't convince me. I made my points to him. He made his points to me. But he didn't convince me. But I interviewed him. You see, that's what I did, you see. You know, you're not proud of the Richie Allen show. That I've tried... I've gone out of my way to put people on the programme who see things differently than I do. But you're not happy with that, you see. Some of you want me to just flatly agree with you. And you don't like it when I don't. And you lose your fucking shit, like. You're in a very bad place and really there's no hope for you. None whatsoever. You're you're fucked, really. If you can't live with the fact that you can't persuade people that you're right and they're wrong. And that's why... I said, and I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating, there's no chance for humanity, if you're the best that we have, in terms of trying to convince people that there is a totalitarian agenda to drastically reduce the quality of our lives and make the prison, make the planet a virtual prison. If you're the best we have when it comes to convincing people we're proper, I won't swear again. We really are. You don't like that either, do you, one or two of you? But I don't care, you see. I don't care. You're not paying my bills. You're not supporting the Richie Allen Show. So I just don't give an arse what you think today or any other day. And um, back in a minute, lots more to come on the program.
1: Cold, seasonal, flu, and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defenses been under such constant attack. Now, more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C, and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximize the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code. richieallen 365 at checkout. Go to Immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two day track delivery free.
0: Good to be with you. uh, This uh, Tuesday, the 1st of November 2022. I can't wait to speak with my next guest. He's Dr. Mark Sherwood. And you'll hear him on the other side of this from Edie Burkell. right, that is Edie Brickell and we're going to cut that short, as good a song as it is, because I want to uh, have more time with my next guest. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, from him. Why has there been such an explosion in recent years in the numbers of children claiming uh, to be born in the wrong body or claiming that they are a different sex, a different gender, uh, than the biological sex they they were born. Why are so many boys in schools claiming that they are girls? Why, why is that happening? We've talked about this so many times on this programme. Now, my next guest thinks he might have uh, the answer. He's um, written on... This subject, he's broadcast on this subject. He is a naturopathic doctor based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He runs the Functional Medical Institute with his wife, Michelle. Uh, He's an incredibly impressive gentleman, really. He played professional baseball. He was on uh, the Tulsa Police Department force uh, for 24 years and he's also a former bodybuilding champion. I'm delighted to welcome to the program Dr. Mark Sherwood. Hey, Mark, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: I tell you what, you've had some life. We could do a whole program on that baseball, uh, the police department you worked on the SWAT team. We've got to do. Uh, we've got to do a show based on all of that stuff, Mark. You've had an amazing life.
4: <laughs> I know, right? Lots of good memories and experiences. But that that would be a, a very entertaining show, no doubt.
0: No doubt about it. Now this is serious stuff, and you you might be aware that the BBC is reporting today and it's been reporting yesterday, that on the watch of Scotland's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, um, there was an explosion in children as young as nine being referred for puberty-blocking drugs. What an amazingly um, awful thing that is, nine-year-old children being given puberty-blocking drugs. We can talk about that in a moment. There has been an explosion in recent years in children with gender dysphoria issues. Let's start with that. What's going on, Mark?
4: Well, I think that we have planted seeds, if you will, in people's lives. And a a young person's mind is like a fertile garden. And when you plant a seed, whether it be a good seed or bad seed, you're going to yield some kind of a crop. And I, I believe that's what's happened. So we planted the seeds that have given them the option of thinking about the idea of whether I'm a boy or a girl. And and it seems absurd that that could even be a discussion because when the sperm fertilizes the egg and that brand new zygote is created, there's 23 chromosomes of the, the, the male DNA and 23 chromosomes of the female DNA that bind together inside the nucleus of that cell and inside that brand new genetic blend from mom and dad You have the determination of sex right there. So these same genetics carry on as these cells begin to divide and form, you know, life and the organisms that we know as humans. And so, you know, you can't change the sex because it's determined at birth. But what we're trying to do is go back and sort of alter the hormonal signals based upon this false idea that we can decide what our sex going to be when we're you know for example in the intro you mentioned nine years old,
0: yeah nine years old, and this this lexicon change you know the, the, these the, these terms that have entered the lexicon, dictionary terms now like assigned at birth birth that's that's a creepy saying or term for me, uh, Doctor Sherwood this idea that you are assigned at birth language is very important here as well isn't it
4: yeah I think it you know it, it's definitely something that I find not just absurd but but kind of creepy when you think about it. You know, why would we ever think like that? You know, I mean, I look at it, people can disagree that God made men and God made women, and he he made um, Adam for Eve and Eve for Adam, and he didn't make Adam for Steve and Eve for Evelyn. And so, I just, you know, again, people can differ in that, and that's okay, but we can't change the biological sex by just dreaming it or saying it or speaking it, and even by altering our hormonal pathways, we're not changing anything.
0: Tell me this before we talk about the environmental factors, because it's fast. I've been reading a lot about what um, what, what you've been saying recently on this, and we'll go there now in a moment, but... um. Talking about, um has um, gone out of my head now, let's talk about the environmental factors. We'll come back to that because this is the reason we um, we invited you on the programme. I'm fascinated by this. It has exploded in recent years and you believe that there's more to this than just um, introducing this in, in, in education settings. There's also something else going on externally and environmentally. Tell us more about that.
4: Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, within our environment, there are you know, plants or chemicals within plants that are known as phytoestrogens, and so these are plant estrogens. And we know that those are kind of normal in things like flax and soybeans. But within the environment today, we've genetically altered things. For example, we've altered the soybean seed, and when we alter it we change the way it functions on the receptors of our body. And many times if it's not genetically modified, it can actually be beneficial. But when it is genetically modified, it can actually drive the estrogen proliferation. The second issue that's really shocking to me is we're seeing this massive trend of more of these estrogenic compounds and chemicals specifically estradiol, which is the most powerful estrogen, being in our public water supplies. And it's most likely because of the lack of filtration of our public water and the increase of these estrogen-containing drugs to teenagers these days that are being you know, pushed out through the waste product of the human and into these systems. And these water supplies don't just have you know these estrogens in there, but they've also got you know hypertensive drugs, antidepressants, et cetera, et cetera. so it's it's a whole blend of issues, and I think it's contributing more than we think to this gender issue that we have today.
0: So the, the estrogen might be responsible in some part for feminizing young boys or, or young men.
4: Yes, that's exactly right. And when you get an accumulation of estradiol or estrogen in the body, let's think about what's happened to the idea of puberty, first of all. You go back 110 years or so and the average age of puberty for you know boys and girls was probably, you know, 16 or 17, right? And then you fast forward to now, and you're seeing people reach uh, puberty seven, eight, nine years old. Again, what is happening? Well, it's because of the chemistry and our environmental estrogenic compounds that are exposing people to these hormonal changes earlier in life, prompting the pubescent movement. Um, At the same time, now you have. Uh, this massive environmental shift with, you know, perfumes and, and cleaners and products and water that's out there all the time. And you introduce those sort of factors into this equation, and you've got this significant confusion. And little boys today you get that big influx of estrogen. We're seeing this as a global issue. Obesity is increasing. Little boys and little girls are getting fatter, faster, and more often, and little boys are now becoming more feminine uh, and little girls. That was a very generalized statement. I don't want that to be negative, but we are seeing more boys claim to be girls, which is disturbing.
0: What I wanted to ask you a few minutes ago, it's come back to me, it's important. The the puberty-blocking drugs, why are... Some doctors, and they don't get to speak about this very often on the mainstream media, it must be said. Why are some doctors so concerned about delaying puberty by using uh, pharmaceuticals? What what sort of things could happen to the child in later life?
4: Well, you think about the proper development of any young life. You know, you, you wouldn't think about stunting the growth of a tree or a bush with purposeful intentions, would you? But we're thinking about this from a human. I mean, we're stunting the proper development of a human. I am beside myself, as well as my wife, when we see doctors getting into this realm of trying to control development of people's lives and even having a role, and I'm not talking significant, I'm talking any minor role in the ability to control a child's sexual development. I find it barbaric.
0: Diane Hughes is listening to this. Um, I get a lot of comments uh, from listeners. It's a live radio show. As you know, we've got Dr. Mark Sherwood on the program, by the way. Uh, Really interesting this is and really important. And every parent, I think, needs to be paying attention to this issue, Um, especially if your children are of school going age. Um you'll find I I'll put links out to where you'll find more about uh, Dr. Sherwood dot um, fmidr.com right but you you've really only got to look um for for the clinic online and 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 uh, you'll find it pretty quickly. Uh Diane is a transsexual woman uh who was on the program before talking about this issue. I think it's fair to say that Diane is uh middle-aged or my age or a little bit older anyway and is very interested in this, and says, Dr. Mark is right. Phytoestrogens in the environment is right. Not just in the water, either. Boys have gotten smaller in stature. Boys were taller and more muscular prior to the Second World War. Is she right? Is that right that boys were taller and better built prior to the Second World War?
4: Yeah, you can look at structures of human beings going back to you know, 75 years, and look at pictures of people. Um, you did not see, well, you saw rarely, and she is right. Unhealthy looking people. Well, today it just makes a lot of sense that with the growth being stunted, the proper development being stunted, the issue of lack of healthiness being declined, we see a less healthy human. And over the last couple of years, at least here in the United States, we have seen the average life expectancy decline about three years per year. And that is a very stunning statistic because we haven't seen that for the last four or five decades. So overall, I would very much agree with what she is saying, and I think this is more uh, of an issue today. Then people are letting on, and I see it as a significant problem. And you know, so you think about how do we reproduce? Well, uh, a male, you know, has the sperm, uh, fertilizes the egg. But if you take away the sperm, eventually you take away the male seed, what do you have? You have an environment that can't reproduce anymore. And then you're going to go down the pathway that's super dangerous you know cloning i mean that's a whole different idea and subject but we can all see that this is going in a in a negative direction and we've got to factor in all of these environmental forces that are affecting it as well
0: there was a time when i was younger my um well my certainly my grandfather and to a lesser extent my mother was pretty interested in what i was hearing in the primary school i attended and I wonder about today, you will probably know, Mark, that uh, re- sex edu- relationships and sex education, that's what they call it here, has been made compulsory for primary school children. Now, I hate this. I hate the idea that six and seven-year-old children are being taught about sex. I think it's too early. They should be children. They should be rolling around in the mud. They should be playing baseball, soccer, doing the things that kids do. But they're doing it here. And they are introducing, you know, sophisticated, I wouldn't say sophisticated, but strange concepts to children about gender. And it, it seems to me that parents in this country either are unaware that this is happening, and they can't be because they've been informed by the government, or they just can't find the time to be concerned about it. What's the situation as you understand it? I know the United States is a huge place, but in your school systems, even in Oklahoma, do parents, are they just happy or are they accepting of the fact that these concepts are being told or taught to children?
4: Well, I think there's two different groups of people we're talking about across the world. There are a group of people, and again, I respect other people's beliefs, but there is a group of people that really believe that this stuff is okay, <laughs> they really do. So some of these people have children and they believe it's okay. So just let it happen. But then there's a growing group of people that are extremely concerned and do not believe that that type of education should even be in the schools. It should be in the home,
0: yeah.
4: right? And I fall on that category as well. I think it should be in the home. School is about learning to read, write. Communicate, pay your bills, show up to work on time, be respectful, learn to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, appropriately. Obey the rules, define structure, and grow your acumen and grow your intelligence to be a successful, um, contributing adult to society. That's what I believe school's about, right? And now with this education coming in that's driven by government direction and government funds, I am seeing a growing movement of people across the united states that are pulling their children out of that type of school system if at all possible because they know it's improper because when you indoctrinate when a school becomes indoctrination oriented versus education oriented we have problems that lend themselves to generational problems and this is a generational problem and I am very concerned about it. That's why I've been speaking out about it. Many parents in, in our home state of Oklahoma are concerned about it and speaking out about it. And really, when you get down to it, the government's involvement within education, albeit providing some sort of structure, this sex education needs to stay in the home.
0: You're listening to Dr. Mark Sherwood. Um, you'll find Mark at the Functional Medical Institute, right? It's in Tulsa and Oklahoma. Remarkable man, really. Former pro baseball player, former SWAT team member on the Tulsa Police Department. He was there for 24 years, uh, bodybuilding as well. Look, I, I have this problem. You're right to say that it's coming from government directives. And there are those who will say the government is being unduly influenced by lobby groups, like in the UK we have Mermaids, right, which is a kind of a trans rights uh, group. But I wonder if there's not something even more sinister going on, because I can't believe that governments can be so easily swayed by a tiny minority of people to introduce such crazy concepts into the school system you know concepts like for example that there are 100 genders and this utter nonsense is there something more serious going on mark some of my listeners believe that there is an attack on the family on the family system the traditional family do you do you think that's the case
4: i do think that's the case and i think it is right on point because ultimately when you lose the concept of father, mother, mother child, and that structure and hierarchical order where the children don't run the show, but the parents run the show. And the parents make the rules, and the child is supposed to follow those rules. And parents are parents. Instead of being friends, you can be friends later. There's an attack on that, and it goes back to the idea that governmental control can only be had when you have a nation of ignorance – In other words, if you have a nation of knowledge, they know better. But if you have a nation of ignorance, they're going to be controlled because they don't know how to think for themselves. So somebody that's willing to think for them is going to take it over. That's one factor. The second factor is that I've seen is politics, whether it be in America or anywhere in the world, has digressed into the the pits of trying to do everything you can to be liked to be liked, to get support, to get votes, to get money and funds. And so when these friends groups begin to get loud, they want their votes, they want their supports, they want their money, etc. And when you get into leadership position and focus on liking people more than standing for right and true principles, you are going to digress down the road of compromise and compromise will become the norm. And you'll compromise your thoughts, your beliefs and those principles in order to be liked, to get that money, fame, power that is the temptation for really any of us
0: out here. You know, I've noticed something here in the UK. I'm an Irishman, you can probably tell that by my outrageous accent, Mark. But um, something I've noticed here, and I can't, I, I don't like to exaggerate, so I can't say that this is widespread. But I have heard from listeners who have said that something creepy is happening in certain schools in certain areas. Not Maybe not every school. But um, children are being encouraged to snitch on their parents in terms of children are being canvassed by teachers to find out what their parents think about things like climate change theory and gender critical uh, theory and stuff like that. That's really sinister, that, isn't it? That, that you would canvass a child to find out, what does mom and dad think?
4: Yeah, it's really sinister, and it's, it's flat-out wrong, because the, the proper authority structure, at least as I see it, and some people can disagree, I think that it's God first, and then it's mankind, and this would be the, the husband and wife, and then it's the, then it's the children, and then it's society, and then it's government below that. That's the proper structure. But when you subvert that structure and you create this environment where a child is given too much power – and giving a child too much power is much like giving a child a Maserati, and they have no license to drive, a blank credit card. They're going to crash the Maserati. They're going to spend all your money, and they're going to hurt you over time. We are giving children this power. That they have no business having, and it's disturbing to me. Here we have multiple questionnaires that are given out to children in schools that ask them questions like, "Do your parents ever talk to you about bringing a gun to school?" "Do your parents ever talk to you about, or do they fight a lot?" Uh, do, "Do your parents talk to you about sex? If so, what?" You know, these questions are completely inappropriate.
0: It's outrageous. and when I was
4: growing up. Yeah, much like anybody else, if I got in trouble at school, my parents were getting a a call and I got in trouble twice at school and then when I got home.
0: Yeah, and that was the appropriate thing for the head teacher or principal to contact the family to say, listen, you're the boss, Dad, look after your son, uh, set him straight. Mark, we've only got about five minutes um, left on this. Are you concerned? I mean, I'm concerned. It's happened in the UK. I think you know this. You, you Just to move away from children for a moment. Um, it's happened in this country several times already that people have been visited by the police. Now, you're a former policeman. I can't imagine you doing this. But the police have knocked on doors in this country because somebody has tweeted something like, I don't believe a man can have a penis. And in fact, one person was arrested. A former police wait for this. You might know this. A former police officer was, was arrested two years ago, a retired police officer. He, no, he wasn't arrested. No, he wasn't. He was visited by a member of his former force because the former police officer told a trans woman on Twitter politely, you're not really a woman. You can't be because mm. you have a penis. And he got a visit from his from his former police station from, from an officer who said, we, we, we dropped around because we want to check your thinking on, you know, the whole trans thing. And I know that people have been arrested in this country for so-called misgendering, for, for calling, you know, for basically saying that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Um, how far could that go? I mean, that's sinister in the extreme, you know, on, on, on the theme of sinister.
4: Well, it can go on and on and it can go deeper because ultimately, the, and this, this is what makes our world great, and it made our world great, is the ability to ask questions. Why? You know, this freedom of speech kind of concept, and that is being squelched. It's being silenced, and our ability to think and question what's happening is being stifled every day. So I think that's going to get further and further. And, you know, it's not there yet, but we're heading down that pathway that's sort of similar – To, you know, like a Nazi Germany type of situation where we are so sheltered with what we can think and be exposed to that we can't say anything. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to come.
0: Final question, Mark. Thanks for your time today. You, you've been listening to Doctor Mark Sherwood. By the way, who's was in Tulsa, in Oklahoma. I've not had too many guests with your resume, Mark. To be honest, it's quite amazing. We'll have to we'll, we'll have to do something in the future. But Mark runs the Functional Medical Institute with his wife Michelle. They've written books. They do radio and television shows. You'll find all the info you need at F M I D R. That's Fox Trot Mike Indigo Delta Romeo. .com, fmid um He's a naturopathic doctor. Um, very, very good work on, on this issue, I, I think. Um, is there hope for us, Mark? Because we are lurching into dystopia. You know, is there some hope that we can claw things back and maybe return things to the way they used to be when, you know, the family is sovereign, the parents have sovereign rights over their children? Will we get there in the end?
4: Yeah, Richie, I, I've been asked that question a lot. I do think there's hope. Um, I think as long as we're alive, as long as we have breath, as long as we have this idea to keep discussing discussing this stuff, there's hope. Um, I have a bracelet on my arm right now that says these two words, and I hope people remember, and this is a good takeaway. The two words are hope dealer, and the best way to continue to spread hope is to deal it meaning to give it out freely every day. So as long as we are doing this, as long as we have voice, as long as we have a reason, our ability to think, absolutely there's hope and we need to hang on to it and share it with a passion.
0: Lovely to meet you, Mark. Thanks for giving us uh, some of your time today. I'm sure you're uh, very busy. Continued success to you and uh, to uh, your wife, Michelle. And I hope we hook up again, maybe in the new year. Thanks for your time.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Dr. Mark Sherwood on the Richie Allen Show Tuesday's programme. As I said, the Functional Medicine Institute. Did I say that right? I'm terrible. Yes, the Functional Medical Institute. Now, you've um, left lots of comments on that and on something I said to you a bit earlier on. So I'm going to read them out in a few minutes' time. It's exactly half past six. Here's the bangles for the crack. The bangles. Susanna Hoff. God be with the days. Pre-teen excitement, posters on the wall. Ah, the bangles. I'm going for 86, maybe.
1: The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today.
0: Please do support your radio show. Now, Isabel, with an interesting comment there. Uh, She says it should be looked into we should be aware that the government is slowly but surely giving more and more power and rights to children, overriding the parents. Do you remember the COVID jabs, says Isabel? It had to be decided, it had been decided, that the choice of the child to receive the jab would override the refusal of the parent. That's kind of right, yeah. What the government said at the time was, in an instance where the child wanted to have the jab, but the parents said, no, the child shouldn't have the job, what they would do was they would use Gillick competence. Now, Gillick competence is a way of determining, it's a medical law, to determine whether the child is able to consent to their own medical treatment, whether the child is cognitive, whether, whether the child understands the risks involved and all of that. So you're right, uh, Isabel, there. That um, was a big thing when they started rolling out the jabs, indeed. Nobody, I don't think, regardless of how you feel about vaccines or jabs, nobody, I've not met anybody. I haven't touched a COVID jab. I wouldn't touch a COVID jab if it was to save me life. And I do mean that. But I've met people who, you know, who who took the jab and who generally approve of, of, of jabs. But to their credit... Most of them, if not all of them, said to me that uh, jabbing the children was absolutely appalling and abominable, because whatever COVID was, if it exists, <laughs> and I think it does, although it's pretty harmless to most people, um, but but if it if if it does exist, uh, mm, pretty harmless. In fact, completely barely brushed uh, children, you know, barely brushed children. Thanks for all of your messages. Um, Herself has written a really long one. You know, if you want me to read them out on air, and I really love reading them out, try and keep them to a paragraph or a paragraph and a half. If you don't mind, it makes it easy. Uh, For me, Chris and Emma. I think it's Chris. Richie, are we not infected with an intellectual parasitic mindset in the West? Do we not have an intellectual parasitic mindset here? They are infecting our reasoning and poisoning our emotions. This parasite seems to not infect the poorest of nations. I wonder why, says Chris there. I don't know. If if you're right, Chris, you might be right. I don't know. I can't answer that. Uh, Teak came back to say that chemicals slash food are not the sole reason that the transgender push is happening. It is an agenda, not a generational problem. Transgender seems to, to tie in with the new religion uh, they want to bring in for the new age, says Teak. And says, Baphomet, a transgender god, is Satanism. It seems to be what they want as a new religion slash god. Is that right? That's interesting. I think that point of view has been expressed on the programme by a guest in the past. Thank you for that. Shambhala says, the elephant in the room is the xenoestrogens, phthalates, and bisphenols as the culprit for gender-bending chemicals. Um, That's interesting too. Leslie says, Richie, I was wondering where the Israelites came from if they didn't originate in a former Israel. So I googled it, says Leslie, and this is what came up. I probably learned this at school, but I can't remember it. I am 60, though. And Google says, according to the Bible, the Israelites are the descendants of Jacob, who was later renamed Israel. Following a severe drought, Jacob and his 12 sons fled to Egypt, where they... Well, that's right. I mean, you've only got to go back to... um." Who was it? It wasn't Golda Meir, was it? Was it Golda Meir who said it wasn't Golda Meir, it was another Israeli Prime Minister whose name escapes me. But one of the Israeli Prime Ministers said, Israel stands as a promise delivered by God or something like that. It would be absurd to question its legitimacy. Was it Sharon who said that? Maybe. You know... That you shouldn't question the legitimacy of Israel because God said this land bego- be belongs to Israel. So, so there you are. <laughs> yeah, I used to get into trouble years ago, um, but they couldn't gaslight me. You see, because I've got a big mouth. You know, I, I, I've always stated what I really feel about Israel as a nation. I've never had any problem with that. But um, I don't believe Israel has any right to exist. It came into existence because of two treaties which were illegal under international law. The sykes picot Agreement and, of course, the Balfour Declaration. Israel shouldn't exist. Shouldn't do. In fact, some very prominent Israeli scholars, by the way, some of them working today, I've had them on the programme, Shlomo Zand and others, uh, don't believe there's any evidence to support the theory of the Jewish diaspora. From the region, from the Middle East. But um, you have to be careful these days. You get called anti-Semitic for saying things like that. Uh, When, of course, I don't have an anti-Semitic bone in my body. But anyway. Faisal says, I've noticed the water in my area smells strongly of chlorine. And the kettle has also been scaling up much faster. Of course, was it Matt Hancock or was it Sajid Javid? It was Sajid Javid, wasn't it? He was a a more recent health secretary than Hancock. They have, uh, they want to, the government wants to fluoridate the entire water supply of the UK. The the, the UK's entire water supply. If you don't believe me, look it up. Online. There you are now. I've not asked you to look at a YouTube video. Don't panic. I've not told you to do your research. Uh, It's online. This made the national media last year. They're blaming it, of course, on tooth decay. It's madness. I don't need to tell you about the negative neurological effects of fluoride exposure. You know this. I don't need to tell you. It can be deadly. It dumbs down the population. It impacts on the pineal gland. It's a terrible thing. And of course, the fluoride they use is fluoride, which is a a byproduct of industrial, it's basically industrial waste. Bastards, right? Yes, yes, they are. Gavin is absolutely horrified that Matt Hancock has gone on, or will be going on, I'm a Celebrity, the ITV show, set in the jungle. It just shows the state of the world when a mass murderer gets celebrity status. I don't think he's murdered anybody, Gavin. If the Jabs are doing damage, which we believe they are, you might argue that Hancock is some accessory, maybe. After the fact, maybe. Maybe before the fact, I don't know. But maybe it's a stretch to call him a murderer. I understand the strength of the emotion he is an awful bastard on me having a go at people for being dogmatic. Jenny says she resents that because she's done lots of research herself, put lots of comments on this website and others over the years, and is always polite. Jenny, I wasn't singling anybody out if the cap fits wear it, and if it doesn't, don't wear it. I'm not singling anyone out, I'm not saying that you specifically is being dogmatic. But I've learned something over the years, you see. And maybe once or twice, maybe. And maybe I can be allowed a little preciousness once in a blue moon. But I do like to think, you know, that uh, you might listen to me when I talk about persuading people not to believe me. This is where so many people who consume the independent media fall short. They spend a lot of their time... Trying to persuade people that they, the truther, is right and that the object of their ire, the other person, is wrong and should do their bloody research. See, I don't do that. I don't try to convince my neighbours and the people I meet when I'm out and about that I am right. I gently, very gently, uh, suggest to them and I do it, again, in a way that I've honed and harnessed over the years, I try to guide them towards at least looking at something. Or I I try to share with them the reality that there is another perspective and that it isn't your uncle Dave and your auntie Doris on Telegram. That there are academics. That's how I, I don't tell people that they're wrong and I'm right. No, but too many in the so-called truth movement do that. And I've become, I suppose, very bored of it over the years. I've become incredibly bored with it. And you've got to allow me that. I've done this for eight years, nearly 2,000 shows. And, and, And I suppose the thing that irks me the most is the screaming truther who has no sense of self, doesn't realise how ridiculous they are. I mean, do you not realise how ridiculous... And the sad thing about this is, imagine the screaming truther who says Covid doesn't exist is right. And as I have said a thousand times, I leave space for that eventuality. It's possible, of course it is, that the thing is one big, massive hoax and that we had a terrible flu season and somebody took advantage of it and, listen, everything is possible. Now, I don't share that point of view, but I am happy to reflect that point of view on this second radio show. And I've done that for years now. Here's the thing that you won't like hearing. Imagine you're right. Do you not think sometimes that it's best to fight the battles that you have a chance of winning? Do you really fucking think that when you're dealing with somebody who's gotten their news from the BBC for all of their lives or or life or most of their life, that you are going to lose them in the blink of an eye when you tell them that COVID doesn't exist? That's a pain in the arse if you're right, isn't it? I mean, that's tough shit, Paddy. That's a difficult thing to have to come to terms with. God, I'm right. COVID doesn't exist. But that big, baldy Egypt in Salford, he's actually got a point. Fight the battles you can win. I'm tired of people telling me the way it is. and Listen to Dr. McCullough. Listen to Dr. Kaufman. Well, I can name 20 or 30 doctors. Fifteen. 26, 30, 50 um, who say that viruses do exist and Covid is a virus that was leaked out of a lab in Wuhan. How do I know which doctor to believe? Exactly. I don't. I go by personal experience. I've never, and if she was here she would tell you, I don't do exaggeration. I'm a pretty mild-mannered guy. I'm pretty level-headed. I nearly died in late December early uh, 20 late December 2019 early January 2021 It's not a joke I nearly died The video I made before I walked away from the radio show for 2 weeks is still on Facebook It is a painful watch I can't bring myself to look at it I was in such a state I've had pneumonia in both lungs I had a lung reinflated in a hospital in Waterford when I was 15. I know pain and discomfort. What I experienced in late December 19, early January 2020, that wasn't the flu. You can gaslight me all day long. I've got thick skin. I don't give a shit. I know my own body. It wasn't the flu, it was fucking terrible. And it was terrifying. I could not clear my chest because there was nothing too clear from my chest or from my lungs. A terrifying place to be if you're a guy who's dealt with bronchial issues all of his life, which I have. I have a very a very weak lungs. Why do you think I run 5 6 kilometres 7 days a week? It's ridiculous, Richie. It's too much. It's because my lungs are like balloons now. I am terrified of respiratory infections when I am an old man. Absolutely petrified. It's the only thing I fear. I don't fear falling off a building. I don't fear drowning. I have a terrible innate fear of dying of breathlessness because of an infection. It's something I know about. And what I got in late 2019, uh, early 2020 was something I've never experienced before. It was terrible. I base my point of view on my experience. It might not exist, you might be right. I don't think it's likely you are, but you're entitled to your opinion. But I've seen no proof that it doesn't exist. Fair enough. I haven't seen any proof that it does exist. I apply a little bit of reasoning and a little bit of logic. To me it exists. And I'm banging on about it. But it's not just that issue, it's other issues. I've grown weary and tired of people shouting the odds about the way it is. It is no way to convince anybody of anything. Listen to me. I know a little bit about the art of persuasion. I've learned to not be that guy. Who gets irate and tells people, go on YouTube and listen to Vernon Coleman, listen to Vernon Coleman. A waste of your time. Guy goes and Googles Vernon Coleman. What did they get when they Google Vernon Coleman? They get an avalanche of negativity. It's not his fault. But that's what they get. Instantly. You've got a box clever. David Icke said this. David Icke said the Queen's a Lizard. And I like David Icke. David Icke was a friend of mine. I wouldn't hear said or I wouldn't say a bad word about him. But you're wasting your time. Ramming it down people's throats. About this and that and Dolores Kyle, And Andrew Kaufman wasting your fucking time. You don't do that with people. You get nowhere with people. You certainly don't get anywhere with me. I've platformed every opinion on every subject and given it respect, as is my duty. But you don't get anywhere shou- shouting at people, you know. I say to people when they tell me, oh, it's terrible, you know, nobody's wearing masks. And I've had that said to me in public by people, well-meaning people. It's terrible, isn't it? Look at those guys, they're not wearing masks. You know, COVID is this and COVID is... And I'd say, Jesus. Do you know, I was reading in the Telegraph the other day, that such and such a guy, working at Oxford University, a guy called Hennigan, you know, he said that there's not really any evidence that the masks do any good because the masks are very porous, and the viral particles are tiny. Really? Yeah. Well, it's a load of well, fair enough. It's a load of bollocks. Plant the seed and move on. Don't engage in the argument. Don't take it personally. Why do so many people take it personally when someone disagrees with them? Jesus, they're not insulting your very identity, your very being. They're just disagreeing with you. It's not the end of the world, like when somebody says, I see it differently. All right, do you, fair enough. No problem. Mine's a double Bacardi and Diet Coke. These days, fat Coke. Can't have the aspartame. You know what I'm getting at in this rant? You know what I'm getting at? You do know. And those of you who behave like that, you do know. (laughs) You know, you're wasting your time with people. You'll get nowhere with people. You will isolate people. Your friends and your family. Tough shit, Paddy. Yes, you might be right. But fight the battles you can win. The battles you can win. Millie says, Me too, Richie. I coughed my head off. Three plus months, think I had the cough too. This goon who goes by the name of vivisection, who can't even use a name like Bill or Steve, tells me he has no doubt that I was ill, but I wasn't ill because of a virus. What a tosser. Go away. I'm no use to you. This programme is no use to you. You're a Muppet. That's all you are. And that's all you'll ever be. Some doctor somewhere, who's not even a real doctor, tells you that there is no such thing as viruses and you believe it because it suits your narrative and you just parrot it on the internet. You're a waste of fucking space. And you're no good to me or anybody else. Vivisection. Fuck off. Muppet. Muppet. Bridget says, all the mains water in Wales is fluoridated and God knows what else is in it. Well, estrogen. Um... Any antibiotic you can think of that's coming through the sewage systems, Bridget. It's absolutely dreadful. Uh, Noel says, Richie, I found an old atlas uh, printed years before the declaration. And it has Israel on it. Bizarre, says Noel. I can send you some pictures of it. I don't doubt you, Noel. Uh, Thanks so much for that. Amy says, Richie, did you ever go to your nurse about the jab you were saying you were going to try to record the conversation. Brilliantly remembered, Amy. I was invited to come and have a discussion at my local GP surgery about the flu jab and about the COVID jab and my any concerns I might have. And I was invited to do that because I said under no circumstances would I ever have the jabs. But then they cancelled that because they were going to review my asthma medication at the same time. But then they cancelled it. Uh, because they said I'd answered some questionnaire online about about my asthma inhaler and how I use it, which I did, just to get him off my back. They sent me some email about um, if I knew how to use my inhaler. A 47-year-old guy, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> This is the NHS in 2022, sending people emails. 47-year-old guys, do you know how to use your inhaler? No, no, I'll come in, I'll come in, you can teach me. But no, they cancelled it because, yeah, I did plan on questioning the persuader, uh, the nurse, nicely. I wasn't going to be rude. I was going to record it and then put it on um,
5: uh,
0: on the show. Billy says, Dr. Sherwood sounds a bit confused to me. He bemoans the erosion of the family unit through transgenderism and the likes which were banned in National Socialist Germany. Then he compares the ideology to Nazi Germany. Thanks for that, uh, Billy. Uh, Jane says, good evening, Richie. Great guests. I'm both discussing matters that the United Nations in their charter pre-2021-2030 include in their sustainable goals. They want to dissolve sovereignty by mass immigration, uh, state control of children, uh, plus they want to confuse gender identity. I've seen much on this. And it is detailed in many books, says Jane. Uh, Thank you so much for that, Jane. Lots of comments today. That's all very good. Uh, Nurse Jenny Lowe's will be on the programme tomorrow, live from Portugal. It's been a while. Uh, Looking forward to that. Uh, David Vance will be on the programme later in the week. It's a busy week, guest-wise. I did say when I came back, uh, and I meant it, that I wouldn't spend Monday to Thursdays interviewing people uh, basically, saying the same thing every day. The great reset is happening. The technocratic society is coming. That I couldn't do that because it would drive me mad. That there would be some days when I would just uh, chat with you uh, solo. I would go solo. And we would. Up- I would chat for an hour. We would open the phones, that sort of thing. But this week it's a uh, pretty guest uh, heavy, which is a uh, which is a good thing this week. So. Yeah, so busy with guests this week. Listen, don't take things personally, you know. Try not to do that when people disagree with you. I'm nobody really to lecture anybody in anything. Because I can be a curmudgeonly bastard me. And anybody who knows me will tell you that. But I'm also a pretty decent bloke, you know. I don't take anything personally. I've got very thick skin. I use them to have. There was a time when I didn't have thick skin. It was very thin. And I knew that no good could come of it. I developed a very thick skin, and it's a great thing. What a weapon it is when you genuinely couldn't give a shit what people think about you or say about you. It's a good thing, and uh, if you haven't got one, try and develop one. It'll be the, it'll be the making of you, I think. That's it for me. Uh, back tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, six o'clock, uh, five o'clock, Jesus, uh, UK time on the usual channels. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my guests, Dr. Mark Sherwood and Mark Collett in the first hour. I enjoyed speaking to them. It's nice to speak to people with whom you don't see eye to eye on everything, isn't it? It does you no harm. Closing out with Denise Williams. See you tomorrow. Bye!